Hey, welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich Davenport. And I'm Jen Davenport. And we are here to talk Marvel. We're going to talk not about a movie that's recent. We're going to talk about last year's smash hit Shang-Chi and the Ten or the Legend of the Ten Rings. Jen, had you had any idea who Shang-Chi was before you went into this movie? Zero. Okay. All right. And even the Ten Rings thing I know came up in an Iron Man movie. I did not remember that either. (laughs) So I I was just all fresh coming in on this thing. This is Marvel digging deep into the Marvel 70s lore. Shang-Chi was originally titled Shang-Chi, the master of Kung Fu. And he came out in the seventies. So you can imagine this is all of course influenced, heavily influenced on the Kung Fu movie craze of the 1970s. That decade was rife with a martial arts like uprising, which lasted well into the eighties, obviously with Karate Kid and all that stuff, obviously different types of martial art, but to American audiences, martial arts were martial arts. Yeah, in so, this this Shang-Chi character mm-hmm. um, in the comics was visually based on Bruce Lee. Yeah, he definitely was. Bruce Lee was heavy in the American mind at the time. So yeah, definitely Marvel wanted to capitalize on that. And the character has been in and out of Marvel comics for many, many years. I don't know that he's ever been an Avenger until recently. Brian Michael Bendis kind of made everybody an Avenger at one point or another in his run. So before that, though, I don't know if he had been. I think if my brother was on this episode, he would know because he was a big Avengers reader. I did not like the Avengers as much Okay. when I was a kid. It's not really my, they're not really my cup of tea, the Avengers. I'm much more of an X-Men kind of guy. So, so yeah. And I honestly, I knew of Shang-Chi because I worked in a comic book shop and I had, I had bagged issues of Shang-Chi. And when I say bagged guys, if you don't know what that means, it means to take the, the actual magazine, the actual comic book, stick it in a comic book bag with a backing board and put a piece of tape over the hole so that it doesn't get out. That's, that's all I meant. Not like I stole it or took it or bought it or anything like that. Just a little bit of, you know, a little bit of nerdery for you there, guys, uh, just so you know how deep the, <laughs> how deep the freaking rabbit hole goes here in the Davenport Your household. Your first job was a comic book store clerk, bag yeah. and board clerk. I was, I was a clerk. Yeah. I sold comics. That was my first ever job. How did you not see that coming? <laughs> yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I know. Guess how much I got paid for that job. I know the story. So if oh, you want to share it, you share it. So I didn't get paid for that job. I got to take home comics for that job. You got was, paid in comics. I got paid in comics, guys. And that's the best <laughs> to, tw- to a 12 year old. <laughs> what's better than that? Shit. I would take a job like that now. Of course, you can't put food on the table that way. But I know, was going to say comics don't like keep the lights on, though, or anything. So, Thanks, you know. dad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so. Who's who's in this now? Since since we're on the topic of awkward stuff, I'm going to have Jen say all the names of the actors and the characters in this movie. Take it away, Jen. As, yeah, as soon as we're starting to put this together, I'm like, oh boy, I'm so bad at names to start with, and you you get foreign names in, and then I really struggle just because I don't speak the language, and so it's harder to know how some of the stuff's pronounced. So. If I'm butchering this stuff, I sincerely apologize. It is not my intention to do that. We but attempt, this movie... we, I attempted to do some half-assed research on this <laughs> for Jen. So the blame is also partially mine if I've screwed that up in any way, shape, or form. Well, I did too, because I, I tried to watch some interviews even to catch how the names were being said. And then I tried to jot that down. So I, I really do try and get the names right, but... You know, I, I know it's not perfect. All right. This movie was directed by Destin Creighton. It was written by Dave Callahan, Destin Creighton, and Andrew Lanham. And let's see, this the comic Shang-Chi was actually created by Steve Englehart and Jim Starlin, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Starlin, who oddly enough, Jim Starlin's known to be a he was the cosmic guy, one of the cosmic guys, right? Jim Starlin always did the the Thanos storylines and the Infinity Gauntlet storylines and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. 
So Simu Liu stars as Shang-Chi. We have Aquafina in here as Katie. Tony Leung plays Wenwu. We have Shay Ling being played by Menger Zhang. We have Michelle Yu as Ying Nan. And Ben Kingsley comes back as Trevor Slatery. And Florian Muntianu as Razorfist. Right on. Oh, I forgot to mention something about Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin's the guy that killed Robin in Batman. Is that the storyline where people had to vote if yeah. he was a survivor or not? Yeah. <laughs> so so weird. technically, technically, he didn't kill Bat uh, kill Robin. It All was of the fans did. Yeah, myself included. There was a there's Why? a ni- what do you have against Robin? I didn't like him. I thought he was a whiny little brat. It wasn't Dick Grayson Robin. It was Jason Todd Robin. I thought he was a pain in the ass, and so I voted to kill him. And I'd do it again. You hear me, world? I'd do it again. <laughs> anyway, you sound like a supervillain. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the real supervillain was us all along. So sorry. <laughs> Did you get through all the names? I didn't. Uh, I was. Yeah. I didn't I mean did. to cut you off if you did. So, okay. So let's dig into this then. Cause we got a lot to talk about. The movie kind of starts, I think a thousand years in the past where we get to see Wenwu find the 10 rings. They're mystical weapons that grant the user immortality. And that's key. Along with great power, he uses them to amass an army of warriors that he calls the Ten Rings, and he uses them to conquer lots of different kingdoms, topple governments throughout history. And then in 1996, he goes searching for the village of Talo. He wants to expand his power. He finds that he finds the village entrance, but he gets stopped from entering the village by the village's guardian Ying Li. The two fight in a very crouching tiger, hidden dragon fight. And they fall in love. And she leaves her post as the guardian. He lays down his 10 rings and they have kids together. He decides that he wants to be with his family. But then his past comes back to haunt him and Lee is murdered by one of his old rivals, the Iron Gang. So Wenwu decides he's going to take up the Ten Rings again to avenge her. And he starts to train Shang-Chi in martial arts. And then when he's 14 years old, he sends him to assassinate the leader of the Iron Gang. What did you think about all this history? Like, we get a lot of information at the beginning of this movie. Like, it's a big old dump. You have to in this movie, though, just because Shang-Chi is not a known character. You have to tell people what's going on here. I thought it was interesting. I liked it. I've, I think I've seen this movie like four times now. And I would think at some point this might get a little tedious for me, but it hasn't yet. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm fine with this. What, what do you think? Oh, I think it's, I think it's necessary. Like you said, I think what we've got is a, you're, you're basically setting up I think they're basically setting up the next big, big bad for Marvel, not in way uh, Wenwu, but in like whoever this later on, we're going to find out that the rings are, are activating a beacon that's sending out a signal. And I think if I'm not mistaken, they are actually alien in nature, these rings. And in the comics, they come from a planet where there's a whole bunch of like dragon-like creatures, like that they uh-huh. they created these rings. They they're a power source for their spaceship, their starship. I think that that's who it's calling, and I think that we're going to get that as kind of like part of the end of Phase Four or Phase uh, Phase Five. Okay, so that makes that makes sense. I was wondering if it was something like that because it seemed it was definitely not of this world. Right. And I was kind of going back and forth between it's something alien nature or if it's something that came from the Eternals world. Right, right. I think but this and the Eternals really sets up how the end of phase four and phase five, or at the end of phase five is going to 
really take place because it's, I think it's going to be a cosmic thing again, but I think it's going to be more, more in space than it is on earth where a lot of what happened on or in Endgame and in infinity war happened on earth. This is going to take place. I think on another planet, I think Dr. Strange being involved in the portals and everything has a lot to do with that. Yeah. I think, Okay. Yeah, I, that's what I think. And I think that the reason that they take so much time to explain this whole thing is because this is going to be integral later on. Not just to, mm-hmm. not just later on in this movie, but later on in the storyline of this arc of the ser- of the series of films. Yeah. So. I also liked in the beginning here how they're establishing that when you're fighting, you don't have to just go with brute force that you can win what I call their dance fighting. It's very, it's very rhythmic how they were going and that sets it up for later um, in the movie. And so I think it was important to see this here, this type of battle happened between these two. Also the first line of English is not spoken until 10 minutes into the film. Well, that's fine. I think if you can read, you're fine, you know? Yep. I think that's fine too. So on Disney plus, I tried to watch the audio commentary and I don't know if our TV wasn't set up right, or if it's the app or what the heck was happening, but it, the audio commentary never came in. I watched probably about 15, 20 minutes and none of it came in. And the whole first section when they're not speaking English, it also didn't have the subtitles on there. And so I really had no idea what was being said. And oh. that was when I noticed, boy, this is a long time that there's no English spoken. And right. that's why I went and looked because I thought, I, I don't remember there being a movie where, especially in the Marvel universe, where it's that long of a time before you get into speaking that English for those of us that speak English and watch films in English. Right. Now, it's it's only, it's only a problem for people who it's a problem for. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. You and I, we watch enough movies where you have to read subtitles that, you know, whatever, right? Some people, some really of them don't are like great. It. Yeah. Some yeah. people don't like doing it, but it's too bad because I think if you give these movies a chance, there are some fantastic movies out there that are not in English. If you give it a chance, you just have to read through it. So agreed, agreed, agreed. A hundred thousand right. times agreed. Also, if you really desperate to see the audio commentary on this film, the 4k disc has an audio commentary on it. Just so you know. Okay. Well, I, since I had seen it three times when we were watching it to do this podcast, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch the audio commentary this time. Cause I I'd seen it a couple of times. I didn't need to really watch it again to get my notes together. So that's kind of why I was curious. I don't typically watch audio commentary on movies. I think uh, I've maybe done it once. I don't know why. It was really interesting, the one I did watch. I love it. I love it because it gives you it gives you like so much in- insight into what's going on. Like my favorite ones are the ones by like film critics or like film historians or the Matrix series of films has a philosopher's commentary where you can listen to the commentary track by two prominent philosophers and they kind of give you some insights into the movie. I love that kind of stuff. Love it. Sure. Sure. Anyway, on back to this movie. I know it's like, I'm way off track here. Yeah. Yeah. We're, (laughs) Hey, you know what? Sometimes we get off track and we come, come right back. We're fine. We're back. We're back. So Shang-Chi goes and he, he assassinates the, the leader of the iron gang, but then he's so traumatized by his action. He runs away to San Francisco where he lives under the assumed name. Wait for it. Sean, not Sean, <laughs> but Sean. I love and, that Katie points this out, that right. this is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Katie works as a great focal point or a, a great intro point for the audience into this world. Because while, while Sean is to everybody else, just a valet, he knows who he is. He hasn't forgotten who he is. He knows exactly who he is. Everybody except for him has no idea who he is though. So like Katie coming along for the ride gives the audience a voice in the film, Mm -hmm. which is great, especially the plane ride stuff. And like later on when like they're doing, like they're having that battle at 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 his sister's, like his sister's fight club and she's climbing out on the thing and she's like, oh, good Lord. No, we're not doing this. Right. Like, right. There's like, there's just some great points where you can just insert yourself into the film in Aquafina's shoes and what great shoes to, to step into 
in that. I love Aquafina. I have had a complete turnaround on Aquafina. I didn't like her in the first movie I saw her in, which I think was Crazy Rich Asians. But everything I've seen her in since, she has been phenomenal. I don't know what it was about Crazy Rich Asians that I didn't like her in, about in that movie because I liked the rest of that movie. I just found her to be grating. And I wasn't, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but I have had a complete turnaround on her. I think that she's really, really good. So he, like I said, he works as a valet with Katie and they're riding on the bus to work one day. Shang and Katie are attacked by the 10 rings led by Razor Fist. So they have this big old fight, right? And this is a fantastic sequence. This bus sequence is great because it pays homage to like, to like Asian martial arts cinema. And there's like, there's always a, there's always a hallway sequence in Asian, in like in Asian fight films. There's always like one of these, like they're fighting in a confined space type thing, you know, Captain America's Civil War or Winter Soldier pays homage to this in a, in a way in that he has this great fight in an elevator, right? But this is literally a hallway, but it's a moving hallway, right? So it kind of pays homage to stuff like Old Boy, where, you know, where Odesu fights his way through with like just a hammer, right? But he's fighting his way through the bus as the bus is barreling down the street of San Francisco. It's really fantastic. What did you think of this opening, this fight sequence? I this main one? loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It was so fun to watch. It really got us into the fighting styles we're going to see in this movie. It had interesting visuals, you know, like at the end where the bus gets cut in half and then he like yeah. kicks off the guy. And then, you know, it, it, it's really interesting. I love Katie's reaction to the whole thing. <laughs> if you remember the story was when they first met, some guy was picking on him and she mm -hmm. went and stood up, uh, stood up for him. Right. That's how they met. Yep. And so of course he's getting picked on again and she does not anticipate that he can do what he can do. Right. And just the look on her face is awesome. <laughs> and then you get all the nice visuals. I, that really was a fantastic scene. I loved it. They also have a YouTuber there. And he's, yes, <laughs> he's, he's great. He just is like this great, like I've taken, I took, the scene. what did he say? He took Kung Fu when he was a kid or he something took like Taekwondo that. when he was a little kid. And he's, <laughs> so he's going to yeah. rate this performance. He's, yeah. He's going to, <laughs> yeah, he's going to, he's going to rate the fight as they go. And like, he, like, he's, he's great for just a little bit of comedic relief during, you know, during the fight and everything. It's just, it complements it really well. But yeah. Simu Liu does a fantastic job here. Now, I don't know anything about this guy, Simu Liu. Do you know anything about him? Have you done any research on him? I do. I've got okay. some information here. Is, so he was- Is he a martial artist? So Simu Liu was knowledgeable in Taekwondo, gymnastics, and something called Wing Chun, which I don't okay. know what that is. Okay. But he then trained in Tai Chi, Wushu, Muay Thai, Pencock Salat, Krav Maga, Jiu Jitsu, boxing, and street fighting for this movie. Holy so crap. So he, he really did train a lot besides having, you know, a little bit of basic knowledge before he got the role. Good grief. He is also I fluent in English and Mandarin is uncomfortable switching back and forth between those cultures. And so that they felt was really important for somebody to have in this character role too. Sure, sure. Damn. To learn all those different, you know, versions of, of martial arts. Wow. Right. Good and stuff. I'm guessing he probably is not like an expert in all of no, them, but you know, no. to get the basics down right. and to have the knowledge and physical ability to do it is important. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he was, he was very, very good in this, in this, in this scene. And of course you get your comedic relief. You get Katie stopping the bus by running it into a trash, trash collecting. What do you call it? Yeah. Garbage truck. Which runs it into a garbage truck and, and makes some snarky comment about we make a good team or something like that. You saw it in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But the real reason that the rings were after Shang-Chi was not for Shang-Chi. They were after this pendant that he had around his neck. It's a little jade pendant that his mother had given to him when he was a little kid. And it makes him think, uh oh, they're going to go after my sister who also has one of these. I'm not mm -hmm. sure why he makes that leap because he doesn't know what these jade pendants do. Right. That's not revealed until later. Right. Dad knows what he what they do, so he doesn't know why they're after that jade necklace only. So what 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 makes him think that they would go after his sister as well? 
Maybe he just knows his dad knows there's something probably up with it. Mm. Okay. All right. So he, because he thinks he's going after, they're going after his sister. He, he decides he's going to go to Macau, which is an area. It's a city in China. So they go to Macau and it, you know, Katie and him, Katie decides she's going with him, right? They take this plane ride over and there's a cup. There's that joke where she, where, where she makes fun of the fact that he disguised himself by naming himself Sean instead of Sean. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so there's that. So he tells he tells her the truth about who he is. And uh, they find Shaling at her underground fight club in Macau. But f- before they do that, they see Wong. So you get a, you get a little Marvel cameo. He's fighting the abomination from Incredible Hulk, which again, I'm going to say this like, out loud again for people. Incredible Hulk is part of this series of films, period. You now have You've got General Thunderbolt Ross. He's been in this after the Hulk after the Hulk movie. Now you've got Abomination. He's in this. He's made a reappearance. It's the same guy. The same actor is going to be playing him in She-Hulk as well. So I don't ever want to hear people say Incredible Hulk isn't part of the MCU. It is part of the MCU. It's the second movie in the MCU timeline. So <laughs> enough. He is. It is part of it. Show some respect. Anyway. <laughs> anyhow so yeah so we see wong fight the abomination but they're all buddy buddy afterwards like he's like yeah you should have been fighting better and like they make like a couple comments at each other and they depart it's this neat little thing but really all it's doing is setting up wong for a later appearance in the movie like he will show up again at the end of the film right i also think it was important to have Wong in this and it maybe didn't need to be Wong but just somebody because this is a new type it's not in the normal MCU storyline we've been doing because of course that storyline's done we're starting something new right and because this is characters we don't necessarily know I felt like it was important to have at least something in here that oh yes this is okay we are still in the MCU so even though it was just really quick and it was a funny little bit mm-hmm. I I like that they did it just to make sure to remind the audience that yes this is the MCU still yeah definitely I think also it's starting to lay the groundwork for what we'll find out later in Spider-Man Homecoming which I'm not going to spoil here if you if you know what I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about as far as Wong goes, his, his character development. I also think he's going to be very important going into the next Doctor Strange movie and probably beyond as well. So mm-hmm. peppering him in is more important now than ever. So so they find, like I said, they find Shaoling and, and she fights Shang in like a cage match because she's pissed off at him. His relationship with their father, the fact that he ran away. And then after the battle, the atta- they get attacked by the Ten Rings. Miraculously, Shang was right. They were coming <laughs> for her, her amulet as well. Shang, Katie, Shaoling, they're all captured by Wenwu after a big fight. Now, what did you think of the fight scene on the scaffolding outside it, the building? It felt like it came from somewhere else. I feel like I've seen it before. It felt very... It felt very Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon almost it, with the okay. bending of with the bending of the scaffolding and people holding on to it. And you know what I mean? What, why, why do you ask? Do you have some sort of trivia about? No, this? I don't what have is- anything on that for me seeing that I've never seen hidden crouching, crouching tiger, hidden, tiger dragon. hidden dragon, whatever right. that is. I've never seen that. So I, I guess I don't know that reference, but I thought it was, I thought it was fun to watch. I actually had anxiety through the whole thing because I have a fear of heights. And okay, so sure. them being up there and then like them falling off and stuff, I was just like almost hyperventilating just watching it. So I I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was fun to watch that. Yeah, I think out of the two that we've seen so far, I still like the bus scene better. I think that the bus better. one was better. Also with this, I did like that Shaoling came back and helped Shang-Chi, you know, because she took off right away at first, but she does come back to help Katie and, and yeah. Shang-Chi. So, yeah, definitely, so I, definitely. I thought that was important too, that she came back. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of shows where her character is. She might be pissed at him, but it's still her brother and they're still, right. you know, family. Yep. So when Wu takes them back to the 10 rings compound and he tells them that he believes that his wife Lee is still alive and being kept in Talo. 
the two pendants that they, he sent the 10 rings to get, and this is what I was alluding to earlier, they, they go into a little dragon statue and they create a water map, a map that you can use to help enter Talo, right? This, it shows like how to get in, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's what he was looking for. He needed to get, figure out a way to get back in. I don't know why he needed this map, though, because he found his way in the first time. Right. Why did he need this map? Maybe he was having a hard time finding it again. Maybe he just stumbled in the first time. He didn't stumble in. He went specifically. Remember, he remember he gets the guy and the guy's like, yeah, we can get you there. And he's like, no, no, you misunderstand. I want to go now. And then they're in the car and they are driving there, you mm-hmm. know, like the, he, they know how to get in. He knows how to get in. What does he need yeah. this map for? It's an unnecessary, it's an unnecessary MacGuffin and all it really does yeah. is serve to get all of our main characters in one room. Yeah, right? that's true. I didn't think of that. I didn't put that piece together, I guess, but yeah. you are right. That was, he's already been there once. You'd think he could get back again. Yeah. Okay. So basically the whole reason he wants to go back though, is because he wants to destroy the village because they're imprisoning his wife is what he believes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he wants to free his wife, but uh, Shang and Shaling object so Wenwu throws them all in a prison cell and that's where they meet Trevor Slattery who is the now this is some people love this reference some people don't I understand but like him lump him or leave him Trevor Slattery is part of the MCU he's part of the history and the tapestry that they've created okay Trevor Slattery is the guy that impersonated Wenwu as the mandarin they call he called himself the mandarin and he was supposedly the leader of the 10 rings gang during what iron man 3 was it i think it was iron Mm -hmm. Man 3 and slattery for his transgression was captured by wenwu and thrown in prison because it was originally going to be killed i think right is that is that what he says but he proved himself worthy as a jester basically he used his skills as an actor as a thespian to to stave off execution and uh, while he was there he finds a pet named morris which is basically just a creature with six legs two wings and no head yep it's cute but it's don't talk those... about it because he's very he's, yeah he takes, uh, he's what sensitive is he's sensitive about it yeah, yeah. there you go yeah. While it's cute, it's definitely one of those Disneyfication things that mm-hmm. like I could kind of take or leave. It's like, man, okay, I don't need that in here. But it is cute. Well, I will you give need you that. the creature though for them to get into the village. Because the other ones there don't know how to get into the village. Nah, look, here's what you could have done is you could have had the sister and Shang know what those things do. They know what the jade necklaces do, right? And it's there in case of emergency, right? Set that up. The dad knows how to get in already. They just get wind or they somehow they find out that dad's going to Talo. So that's how they come back together. And they're like, oh, we're going to use these to find Talo. Sure. Then you don't need Trevor Slattery and you don't need Morris. Yeah. But then you don't. For some reason, they wanted Trevor Slattery back in here, though. Then you don't have cute Morrises to sell at Disney World, which is where we bought ours. Yes, we have one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's why that that's why that's why Trevor Slattery's little buddy is in there at all. I, I guarantee mm-hmm. you, it's to sell merchandise. That's exactly so. Did you is. have a problem with Trevor Slattery coming back in here? No, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was actually smart that that he would still be involved in this, but still be just the dumb actor that nobody really, <laughs> that he just doesn't know what the hell's going on, right? Yeah. Like, I'm just here playing a part, guys. I don't, I'm not part yeah. of this. I'm just playing a part, you know? I feel that it makes sense that when we would have been pissed and yeah. Yeah, went to get him. I, yeah. I find that believable. I think it's I think it's also a way for Marvel to go, yeah, we kind of we kind of screwed the pooch on that. So we're sorry. Here's what became of that guy. Just know that he's not really the Mandarin, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more, say no more, right? So right. Yeah. Right. Also, another reference to tie us back into the MCU and make sure 
we are well aware that this is MCU. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this it definitely they went to more lengths in this to tie us to the MCU than they did in Eternals. Yes. Eternals like sets itself way the hell outside of the MCU as a as a whole for the most part without with only a couple of little like verbal references to mm-hmm. stuff that had gone on recently. And right. uh, and I think that I think that's intentional. I think that's intentional. We'll see where it goes, but we'll see. Slattery, like you said, Slattery and Morris, they they lead the guys to Talo. Katie is Katie's doing the driving because you know she's a, she's she's a valet, so she's good at this, right? But they steal Razor Fist's car, which is a cute little thing where you get to see Razor Fist get all pissed off about his car getting stolen. <laughs> but when they get there, they meet Lee's sister. So she tells the group that thousands of years ago, the village was attacked by the dweller in darkness and his minions. The dweller consumes souls to consolidate power, right? And so the village gets saved by another dragon that was called the Great Protector. And the dweller and his minions get sealed into the side of a mountain that overlooks the town. And what Wenwu thinks is his wife calling to him is actually the dweller in darkness manipulating him so that he will use the rings to break the seal and let the dweller out which again i think this furthers my theory that these rings are extraterrestrial maybe these dragons are extraterrestrial as well they might have come from this planet where the dragons where where the rings are right or the Mm -hmm. way rings originated from i should say so i feel like those are connected in a way in some way because otherwise how would the dweller know that the rings would be able to break him out no that's a good point so I'm just mentally, my headcanon, that's what I'm thinking is they are related in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I I guess I was kind of taking it as somehow the rings could have been involved with putting them there in the first place, but I don't that's know. That's a that possibility sure. as well. Yeah. yeah, but they never mention it. They just say you sealed there, so they don't right. say how. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So then uh, Wenwu and the Ten Rings arrive to destroy the seal and the village along, and then the Shang-Chi and the villagers and Shaoling and Katie, they all band together to fight them. Katie learns how to be an archer in a short period of time because they have like this big training montage, right? Where everybody's training, learning how to mm-hmm. do their things. So they do battle and Wenwu throws Shang-Chi into a lake and starts to break down the seal with the rings. As cracks start to appear, the dwellers' minions start to escape and attack the villagers and absorb their souls to kind of consolidate power, right? Because that's while this is all going on, Shang gets revived by the great protector who's still in the lake. And Wenwu and Shang fight, and Shang comes out victorious. So how did you feel about this? Like, because this sequence, I'm only halfway through this now, this sequence. How did mm-hmm. you feel about this sequence? Because this, I felt like, I have, I have questions, but I want to hear what you thought of this sequence first. I loved the dragon stuff in it. The, okay. That was just so cool to see him get revived and then them flying out of the water. I really liked that. The visuals of those what what were they the little demon thingies yeah i just call them the dwellers minions i didn't know what they were called minions yeah so whatever those minions were when they were flying in and like taking people's souls you know and and taking them back i liked all that stuff i thought it was fun and this did not yes it's a long sequence but it didn't feel that long to me because everything is happening and going and you're not stuck on one thing happening we're seeing what's happening back at the village and then we're seeing what's happening up by the cave and then back to the village again so i think they keep it moving enough that it doesn't start to feel stale okay right by about this point is where i'm like okay can we just get on with this Mm, okay and that that's why i broke it up this way because I'm having the same problem with this movie that I've had with a couple of other movies and in that their climactic battles seem too long. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Like we get it. And I mean, there's only just, there's just so much CGI stuff that I can sit through before I go, okay, come on, let's, can we just get on with it? Just tell the rest of the story because we know they're going to fight. We know that Shang's going to come out on top. Let's just see where this is going, you know? But you got to have that action stuff in there to make stuff interesting too. You can't just 
absolutely not have that. I am not saying that. I'm saying shorten the action stuff because God damn, this, sure. this action sequence lasts for about 25 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of action sequence. That's mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of CGI stuff. That's a lot of the same stuff over and over and over yeah. and over and over I could again. see where people would have issues with that. Yeah. So I felt like it went on a little bit long. And I think, again, not making too many criticisms of this movie, right? But that, I think, is a valid one in that it, it you want to move the story along. You don't want it to just stagnate. And I feel like it stagnates in this because that's kind of what people expect after Infinity War and after Endgame these big epic, you know, fights that last for a long time, you know? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they were trying to tell a story with that whole section too, you know, with mm-hmm. the, when, what, what was Wenwu's group called? The 10 rings? The yeah. Ten rings, yeah. With the 10 rings turning and fighting with the village instead of against the village. Well, they um, knew that they, they knew that if they didn't, they were dead. Right. Yeah. But they're, but they're showing this, that this is what's happening. And then, you know, Shaolin getting involved and helping with the battle and Mm -hmm. Katie's participation in the battle. I mean, there's steps to here and, and I get it that it gets a little long and some people want that to move on. I was okay with it. I didn't have an issue with it. So I think everybody's going to kind of have a personal preference on that. You know, if it felt a little long or not. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So after Shang defeats his dad, the dweller escapes and dad realizes that he has been duped, that his wife really is dead, that she's not coming back. And so he decides to sacrifice himself and give Shang-Chi the rings. So he gives him the rings and that's when, that's when we kick into high gear. The dweller in darkness gets killed by a combination of the efforts of Shang, the great protector, Shaolang, Katie, everybody really. So I think that once that Shang-Chi gets the rings and we finally get to see him in action, that's when I start to get back into being interested in this fight okay. sequence. Okay. Okay. I think I just think that the whole lead up to it is pretty, pretty bland and just repetitive, you know? So, okay. and then, you know, at that point we're getting to really, he's getting to really step into who he's supposed to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's actually a pivotal point the transfer of those rings, that's what's going to summon Wong to him later and say, hey, you know, look, we know when the transfer happened, we were, we felt it, you know? So were Wong and Dr. Strange, do you think they were aware that the 10 rings were out there? Well, they had to be because that guy was like all over the place, right? People knew who he was. Well, I think Wong says that the transfer of the rings is what alerted them in Kamartage. Okay. That's what they felt in Camertage. So they must not have been aware of what, what it was before? Must so not they, have been. May, they may know when the rings get transferred, uh-huh. but I think that this transfer start, set off that beacon, and that's what they were talking about. Yeah, because they were studying the rings at the end, trying to figure out where they were from or what they were. Right. Yeah, they do that whole, like, that, that's, that always that Mar- Marvel magic thing with their hands where they can, like, you know, they can minority report it and like expand it, you know, and all that fun stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Like they're yep. messing, like, like Tony Stark does with his stuff where he like uses his hands in the air and he makes computer stuff do things, you know, that's what mm-hmm. they were doing with the, with the images of the rings. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So yeah. And you're talking about specifically then what happens after the fight is that, you know, Shang and Katie go back to San Francisco and kind of resume their lives basically. Right. And mm-hmm. go, they go out to the bar with their friends and they get summoned. Wong shows up in one of his, in, in one of the little, his little holes that he makes. Portal you know, things. Portals, yeah. The, what do they call it? The sling ring, the sling ring portal, right? And he, he walks through and he says, look, I need you to come back with me. And he takes Wong, or uh, Wong takes Shang-Chi and Katie with him, leaving the friends there stupefied. And actually the whole bar is just kind of like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Which is surprising. They think that after everything that's happened, you know, that they'd be shocked that there'd be a portal that opened up. (laughs) I, well, okay. I love that for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's San Francisco. Uh It's not New York. New York is where all this crap happens. And in the comics, in Marvel comics, they 
almost exclusively everything happens in New York. And, and every once in a while when stuff happens outside of New York, there's always some characters, some side characters saying, I expect this kind of stuff happening in New York. I don't expect it happening in okay. Milwaukee, Wisconsin or whatever, right? <laughs> sure, so like, sure. so like that, that spoke to me in a, a, on a different level, I think, just on a meta level that like, yeah, people in San Francisco don't expect there to be a big fight they think that's all happening in New York because that's where the Avengers are. That's where, you know, that's where, you know, everybody is, you know, Spider-Man's in New York. Everybody's in New York. Right. So, yeah. So I love that part, but they go back to the Sanctum Sanctorum and they talk with Bruce Banner, Carol Danvers and Wong. And they reveal that the transfer Wong says, like I said, the transfer is what they felt in Camertage. And once they kind of, do their thing they find this beacon but they don't know where it's from and that's kind of where the movie ends mm-hmm. but there's always a mid-credit sequence or end credit end credit sequence and the end credit sequence is that shaling is actually taking up the mantle of the leader of the 10 rings so she's going bad like dad Right. She was supposed to be dismantling it. Right. Is what Shang-Chi said. That's and right. Yeah. He said, he mentions that, that he left her yeah. there and she was going to take it apart, but she's actually putting it together again. <laughs> I don't know why I never got the inkling that she was a bad guy or anything like that. But now all of a sudden she's just breaking bad and it. Here we go. You know, I mean, she did run an underground fight club. Well, I suppose there is so. that. That is kind of a red flag, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like That's she was like the. <laughs> you're right. She started right. that whole thing. She was running that whole thing. I can't imagine that there was a lot of good stuff that was happening. There. Yeah, you know, you don't see a lot of like altruistic enterprises coming out of you know underground fight clubs. So I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. I follow. I follow. So that's that's the story. That's the movie. There are. There's a couple things I wanted to talk about that number one being trevor and his planet of the apes story (laughs) yeah holy crap like at first like the first time i watched it i was i was just i was just jaw on the floor laughing about it because it was so absurd but in (laughs) in subsequent in subsequent viewings it becomes like my god this guy's dumb yeah, exactly. You know, like he's. I've really, laughed really every dumb. time though that that part comes up because <sighs> it's so ridiculous, and I, I don't know. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I just yeah. It was it was it was fine the first time, but then it's, like I said, subsequent. I'm just like I just I. Why are they making him out to be this dumb? Like, <laughs> does he need to be this dumb? like annoyingly dumb? You know. Like, how did they get the, if a monkey can act, then so can I. And I'm like, wow, okay. They're getting at something there, I think. Which is funny because Ben Kingsley considered to be one of the greatest actors of our time, right? And he's saying, if a monkey can do it, so can I, right? (laughs) There's a little bit of something there. Well, I find that entertaining still. Yeah, definitely. So do you have any other things that you'd like to bring up before we move on to what I'm sure you have? I'm sure you have Jennifer's trivia tidbits, right? Yeah, I have a few uh, trivia things. The only other thing we really didn't talk about is when the rings transfer, they do change colors. They do, don't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what what that means. Yeah. It kind of struck me as a very like Star Wars-y, red is bad blue is good you know luke skywalker darth vader thing yeah it could be i I, i'm taking it that it somehow is like that where it's it's reading the person's you know intentions or their you know who they really are type of thing and then you know giving a color based off of that yeah that's my assumption but i did think that you know maybe something important to note but we'll see if it ever comes back or not it might not ever be a thing but I think it will. I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's good. It's good as both visual cinematic shorthand and callback. I mean, if you think about like old, like Westerns, the good guy wore the white hat, the bad guy wore the black hat. So mm-hmm. here we've got the rings on the bad guy are red. The rings on the good guy are blue. And it's actually, I mean, that's it. 
factors into Star Wars as well, right? The good guys wear black, the, the good guys wear white, the bad guys wear black. You know, it's the whole reason sure. why Anakin's story, Anakin's wearing black robes in Revenge of the Sith because he's leaning towards the dark now. And it's a whole reason why Luke's wearing black in Return of the Jedi. It's because he's conflicted and he doesn't know which way he's going to go. It's a visual cue for the audience to not know, is he going to get turned or is he going to save the universe? You know, this is just good storytelling, I think. All right, so for some trivia stuff here for her role as Katie, Aquafina Wait. Train. Oh. I didn't get to do my intro. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Are you ready? Yes. Jennifer's trivia tidbits. Okay, now you can. Boy, go. that was that was out powerful. there. Powerful, yeah. right? Just wow. say powerful. Wow. That's cool. You can say powerful. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. All right. So for her role as Katie, Aquafina trained in car drifting and archery. She trained so, in car drifting? Yep. <laughs> That's hysterical. I love it. I love it. Okay. Shang-Chi costs just $150 million to make only, oh, which is it? a much smaller budget than most of the MCU movies. The only others that were cheaper were Captain America, the first Avenger, mm-hmm. the Incredible Hulk, and Ant- Ant-Man. The first Ant-Man? And Ant-Man. So... So yeah, it's one of the cheaper ones, but they also, this is uh, right up my alley. They also received a $50 million tax credit from the Australian government for shooting in that country too. <laughs> Wait, they shot in Australia. Mm-hmm. What part was shot in Australia? I don't know. I didn't look up that part. Huh. I just saw, Hey, tax credit. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, this next little trivia tidbit is something I thought was funny. I don't remember if this is something we've talked about on the show or if it's just something you and I have talked about. But you've mentioned that there is two things in every Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, yeah, yep. So him running Yeah. and him riding a motorcycle. Yes, that's correct. There always is. There's always. (laughs) Just like John Travolta, John Travolta will always dance. So the director told Simu Liu, when he had to do running scenes to tap into his inner Tom, Tom Cruise. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So you're not the only one that notices that. Oh, I know. Everybody knows. <laughs> Everybody knows. All right. Some comic book info that I found about Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi's sister, Shaling, runs the Golden Daggers Club in Macau. Mm-hmm. In the comics, the Golden Daggers were a criminal organization led by Shang-Chi's ch- sister, who was named... Zheng Bao in the comics. Okay. She established them as a rival empire to her father's. Okay. All right. So her turn at the end of this is comic accurate. She's going to be a bad guy. Okay. Right. All right. right. The red and black suit Shang-Chi acquires at Talo is a homage to the suit he wore in the Jonathan Hickman Avengers comic. So he was an Avenger during Jonathan Hickman's thing, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. In the comics, the Mandarin commonly wears the ten rings on his fingers. Correct. But they're after, actual rings. yep, they're actual rings. But after watching a variety of martial art films and to incorporate Chinese culture, they decided to move them to the wrists. Does that predate the movie? Moving them to the wrist? No, no, no. For this movie, that's why they. Oh, moved them for to the, the movie. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then there's one other Easter egg I wanted to point out that happens at the fight club. So when they're in the lower levels and there's like those rooms that they're fighting in. Yeah. One of the battles involves one of the widows who appear in the new black widow movie. And she is fighting someone who looks to have similar powers to the 10 rings group from Iron Man three. So remember pepper Potts was injected with that extremists. Yeah. Yep. So one of so the Black Widow is fighting someone who looks like they've got that extremist thing happening. Oh, interesting. So extremists are still out there then. But they were supposed to have all been destroyed yeah. in that movie. So yeah, that's, that's I mean. where it's kind of interesting. Like, okay, did some of that get out? Is any of that going to come back? You know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. So that is interesting. So the Ten Rings themselves, like the actual rings from the comics, are very like they're very Infinity Stone type thing you know like how each infinity stone controlled the different mm-hmm. part of reality each of the different rings has like a different like power right like 
one of them is like an ice blasting ring. One of them has like one of them is like a psychic energy ring, and one's like an electric okay. ring, flame blast, and that sort of thing. So that's that's a real departure in this movie because they're just like they're just like this general like all purpose tool. <laughs> it's like right. the Swiss that, Army Swiss Army rings, right? Yeah, that was one of the things I was reading too. Was that was another reason they switch it to the wrist because on the fingers they felt it too closely resembled the Infinity Gauntlet. Mm. Sure. Um, you know, okay. like as jewelry on the hand. And so they were trying to get this a little separate from that. So they weren't thinking this was somehow related to the, to the um, infinity stones. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Hey, you know what? You know what I'm just realizing? Isn't this like the 25th movie in the cinematic universe? I feel is like it? this is the, tw- yeah, because yeah, it has to be, it has to be because infinity war was 23. There's 23 films in the MCU at that point. But didn't they have Spider-Man, Black Widow, and then this? Never or was this them. before Black Widow? I don't know. I'd have to look I, that up. I don't remember. Well, I'll look that up real quick while we're talking. But if it is, there's always a 25th anniversary issue when they do when they get to 25 in comics. That's one of those issues that they make double-sized. Ah, okay. So that's that's all I was going for. I'll, I'll- I think... I think the movie release has gotten kind of goofed up because, you know, they had their original plan of movies. And then when COVID hit, stuff started getting moved around. What I was hearing was Spider-Man's No Way Home was supposed to come out after Dr. Strange's Multiverse of Madness. Mm -hmm. But Sony said, no, they wanted it to come out. And so, you know, you've got stuff like that happening too, where even though something maybe would have, should have gone out a certain way, things have really gotten changed between COVID, you know, pushing stuff out and then other contracts happening and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. I just checked in Black Widow came out in July of 21 and this came out in September of 21. So this was two months later. And if, if Infinity War is 23, Far From Home is 24, Black Widow is 25. So Black Widow was the 25th anniversary issue. Okay. Okay. So. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So any other, any other notes, any other trivia tidbits you want to bring up? Anything that you have questions on about the comics or anything like that, that we can address here before we're, before we wrap? No, I think I'm good. I think I got it all covered. Groovy. So let's move on to our. Well, our recommendation, really, we're going to talk whether it's a keeper, whether it's a renter or whether it's an erase and gentlemen, I'll let you go first, because that's what we always do. This is a keeper for me. One, because we keep all the Marvel movies, but <laughs> even without that, I really liked this movie. I thought it brought something new to the Marvel universe, but yet still keeping it within theme of the Marvel universe. I loved the new characters. I loved the action sequences. I really enjoyed this. Sure, I, I do see where you're saying where some of it maybe could have been cut down, but you know, some of these longer movies seems like there's always something that maybe could be cut down and tightened up a little bit. But for the mm. most part, I, I think it was told pretty well. Yeah, okay. I, I'm going to say keep as well, mainly because it is a Marvel movie and it's part of that, you know, that now 26 movie timeline, 20. 27 movie timeline if you count the new spider-man movie that came out in december of last year there so yeah so that i think that would be the i think that's the thing that pushes it over to keep for me i think this would definitely be a rental it's not that i didn't like it it's just that it is excessively long in my opinion in some seat in some spots and if they had tightened it up a little like you could get this closer to two hours and it would feel a little bit a little faster a little tighter a little more a little more trim you know what i mean a little slimmer Sure. I think sure. I think most of the movies need to be right around that instead of going instead of letting them go into like two and a half hours and then you know I think Endgame I kind of spoiled it. They're starting to get the them into three are hours. It's like so oh. long nowadays. It's it's tough to get through some of them. I, I know. I'm getting to the point too when they get to these two and a half and three hour movies, they need to start giving an intermission in there. And I know <laughs> you don't like that, but I'm sorry. I always end up having to go use the restroom and then I miss parts of it. And then I feel like I have to watch it again to catch the whole thing. I, they're just getting too long. Yeah. Now I don't mind when it's something like, you know, the Godfather, I don't mind if it's a three hour movie, if it's the Godfather, but when it's something like this, when it's just CGI after CGI, after CGI, it's like, okay, 
cut some of this down, tell your story. We don't need all of this. You know what I mean? Sure. You don't need, yep. and, and Hey, you know what, if we're going to, if we're going to make a, if we're going to speak truth to power here, Marvel should seriously consider trimming it down to two hours for every one of these movies, except for the big event movies, because you can get more butts in the seat that way. You can, right. you can squeeze one more showing those... in at the end of the movie, at the end of the seat of the night. Well, not only that, but it's going to make those big movies feel more special. Like it's not every movie in that whole timeline is two and a half, three hours. Right. You know, everything's hour and a half to two hours Mm -hmm. and the big ones are your two and a half to three hours. That makes it feel a little more like a big event. Like they've got a lot of stuff to tell us here. Like the crossover event of the day or the year or whatever. Yeah. Right. I get it. I agree. I agree. So I, I'm going to go with keep though, because it is MCU and it is something that like, you know, like you said, we keep the MCU and I want to make sure that I've got all parts of the story. I'm a completist when it comes to that. So <laughs> I gotta, I gotta have all parts of the story. I don't want to miss out. Like I get that, that fear of missing out, right. That hashtag FOMO, right. That's me. So <laughs> I yeah. don't have that same fear. So you don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So I have a question for you before we, before we sign off, I have a question for you. Okay. So we've seen everything that has to do with phase four at this point. I want to know what your favorite is. Okay. So I'm going to read them off to you. You tell me what your favorite is that's been out so far. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we've seen black widow. We've seen this film Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. We've seen eternals. We've seen Spider-Man no way from no way home. We have seen WandaVision. We've seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've seen Loki. And we've also just finished Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Those are all phase four films. Which one's your favorite? Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. All right. Out of those ones. I, Out of all those, Spider-Man is your favorite. Okay. I loved that movie. I thought it was okay. great. I know it has some storytelling issues that are in there, but I was a hundred percent willing to overlook that and just enjoy that film for what it was. <laughs> now, since we're on the topic, oh, just so just so we're clear, my favorite is also Spider-Man No Way Home because I love Spider-Man and they do some really cool stuff in that movie. I'm not going to spoil it in this podcast because there was there we didn't have any warning for Spider-Man right. in here. So I mean I know we're I know we're like four or five months past the you know the release in theaters but some people didn't go to theaters to see it some people are waiting for the video and i don't want to be the guy that spoils it if you want to be spoiled go back and listen to our spoiler episode from december uh end of december i think it was so here's what's coming for the mcu in phase four we've got dr strange in the multiverse of madness we've got thor love and thunder we've got black panther wakanda forever We've got the Marvels, which is coming out next year. Guardians of the Galaxies Volume 3 is coming out next year. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and Fantastic Four and Blade. That's everything. They're talking, we're talking about a 12 movie four TV series arc for phase four. That's huge. Huge. Yeah, it is. And the fact that Fantastic Four ends phase four, which is kind of cool, right? Fantastic four phase Mm -hmm. four i love it but yeah so we've got a lot left before this is the end of the story so we're really still only in the middle of the story of phase four right yep cool stuff cool stuff all right so head back down out of the clouds we now know which is our favorite of everything that we've seen so far for the for the phase four stuff what are we going to do next week what's our next movie that we're reviewing here all right next week we're going to go over the movie greenland Greenland. That's the Gerard Butler movie, right? Where he kicks the dude down the hole and goes off to fight like the Persian army or something. Oh, no, no. Wait, no, that was no, 300. No, no, no. That was 300. No, you're no, no. way off the, on that. This one. is the asteroid movie, isn't it? Asteroid movie. Yep. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Still so next Gerard week, Butler, though. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just expect him. I expect him with no shirt on and fighting, you know, like oh, as a Spartan every time. Thanks, Zack Snyder. I appreciate it. <laughs> Maybe that's, maybe that's on me. Oh my God. Do I have a crush on Gerard Butler? I was going to say, why do you keep picturing Gerard Butler shirtless? Maybe, maybe it's uh, seen the man with no shirt on, right? I have. Yes, I have. He has abs of like something. Anyway, CGI abs are fantastic. CGI abs of steel. (laughs) 
Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening this week, guys. We'll see you next week for Gerard Butler and his CGI apps of steel right here on the couch. Thank you for listening to A View from the Couch. We value your feedback. Please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your preferred podcast listening app. You can reach us on Facebook by searching at A View from the Couch, on Twitter at View underscore Couch, or by emailing us at aviewfromthecouch at yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye. See ya.